Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. Welcome to New Life. I'm Pastor Chris, the lead pastor here. If you're here for the first time or watching online for the first time, we're so glad to have you with us. Uh, It's sort of ironic that that uh, bumper video said, it's time to get healthy. I've been sick all week. Uh, so uh, I, I guess that's one of those kind of things. I don't, I don't get sick very often, but on Sunday night into Tuesday, I had a really bad stomach virus, enough to set about that, and then it returned on Friday. Uh, that was not really good, good news. So today, uh, we're starting a new series, but last weekend, as you were leaving, as we were all leaving, I said we're going to start this series called Changes That Heal, and then I said this week, I'm going to talk about the word the devil hates. And when I said that, most of you sort of leaned in a little bit. Some of you actually tried to squeeze the word out of me as you were shaking my hand last week. You know, and you said, is it Jesus? Is it love? Well, those are two really good words. I'm sure the devil hates to hear the word Jesus and the word love, but those aren't the words. Uh, I I learned this word, uh, which I'm actually calling the devil's kryptonite. And even if you don't like superheroes, I'm pretty sure you probably know that kryptonite is the one thing that could kill Superman. Well, anyway, the devil's kryptonite, I found out about it. When I was doing my doctoral studies back in the 1990s, uh, I had a professor named Dr. Robert Kelly, and he told us about one of his professors named Dr. Orr. Dr. Orr had been the professor for not only Dr. Kelly, but also for Mr. Rogers. I don't know if you knew that Mr. Rogers was an ordained minister, and also Dr. Dale Milligan. Now, those three guys, the significance of those three guys is we all know Mr. Rogers had Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, and his show impacted millions of children. And then Dr. Dale Milligan uh, started a a youth ministry called Logos, and it impacted uh, thousands and thousands of high school teenagers and middle schoolers and children. And then Dr. Robert Kelly taught at Pittsburgh Seminary for decades, I think 40-some years, and so he impacted thousands of pastors, including me, over the years. So this one man, Dr. Orr, influenced the kingdom of God for millions and millions of people. So anyway, when Dr. Orr was uh, in his waning years, Dr. Kelly would go and visit him from time to time, and always the teacher. One day, Dr. Orr uh, got out one one verse of Martin Luther's uh, hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And we're going to look at it on the screen, and it says this. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. And then this, one little word shall fell him. So what's that word that's going to destroy the devil, the, the devil's kryptonite? And, and after he read that, that verse, Dr. Orr looked at Robert Kelly, Dr. Kelly, and said, Well, Robert, what's the word? And Dr. Kelly said, Jesus. And Dr. Orr said, good guess, but wrong. Love, no. Faith, no. And and so he kept guessing, 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 and he didn't get to the right word. And finally, Dr. Kelly says, what's the word? And after a dramatic pause, Dr. Orr said, forgive. Forgiveness is the devil's kryptonite because it destroys the devil's work. Our sin, our disobedience broke the relationship that we had with God. It wasn't God's fault. It was Adam and Eve's fault. And every human being ever since then has been in this pattern of breaking the relationship with God. You see, the devil knew 
The devil doesn't like God because the devil, you know, rebelled against God. And, and so he knew that God loved people. And he knew that the way to hurt God was to hurt the people that God loved. And so he knew if he could just get the people to turn against God, to rebel against God and to sin, that, that, that God and the people wouldn't be able to be together anymore because God can't look on sin. And so the devil became our prosecuting attorney and God the judge. And every human being from Adam and Eve down through us, every single one of us stands guilty before God because we've all done something. And we, if you're me, it's a lot of some things that are against God's will. And so the relationship is broken and the devil stands there before God, the judge, and says, look at Chris Marshall. He deserves to go to hell because you know the punishment. You know the punishment for sin. So what, what could God do? Because God is holy and God is just and God is true and good. And so he couldn't change the rules just because he wanted to because he loved us. And so what God did is an amazing and incredible thing. He sent Jesus, his one and only son, to come into the earth to live the perfect life that none of us could live. And then Jesus died in our place. And so the interesting thing is, if, you, if you're the devil, you don't know everything, obviously. You're just the devil. Um, and so could you imagine as Jesus was being crucified... The, the devil must have been so excited. I mean, I bet you he was dancing because, look, he finally had won. He finally defeated God. He couldn't figure out why God came in the form of a human being in the first place, and he certainly couldn't figure out why he was willing to die in place of these human beings. But I don't know if the devil heard as Jesus was having the nails pounded into his wrists and feet, but he said, Father, Heavenly Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And the truth of the matter is, in those very words, that very forgiveness that Jesus bought for us through his death on the cross has echoed down through history to every human being who would receive it in the name and the power of Jesus Christ. So during this Changes That Heal series, what we're going to do is we're going to see how God's forgiveness starts a transformation that's intended to continue so that ultimately we will grow up and be healthy, as it says. We will be like Jesus. Not We won't ever be God. We won't ever be Jesus. But our lives will be transformed from the inside out. And it starts with forgiveness because forgiveness is the application of God's grace in our lives. Forgiveness is the application of God's grace in our lives. Would you say that with me? Forgiveness is the application of God's grace in our lives. Now, if you follow along on the outline, that's on your outline. It's a very important statement. Back in 1992, Dr. Henry Cloud wrote this book. It's called Changes That Heal. And, and this message series is loosely based on this book. It's much more tightly based on scripture. But um, there are some ideas in this book that are very biblical and very powerful. And what Dr. Cloud said is that there are four different attributes of God that if we're ever going to grow up to be like him, we need to have in our lives. And we're going to talk about those attributes in the following four weeks of the series. But before we can do that, we need to understand that we can't have any of those attributes until we have a relationship with God. And that relationship comes through Jesus' forgiveness in our lives. Now, in the book, Dr. Cloud has a formula. Those who have been coming to New Life for a while know I like formulas. Not a big math guy, but I like formulas. And here's this formula that comes from his book. It says, truth plus grace plus time equals mature followers of Jesus. 
Here at New Life, we focus a lot on speaking the truth in love because that's what Paul the Apostle said we are supposed to do uh, in Ephesians chapter 4. So truth plus love is what, what, what changes us from the inside out, and it's what transforms actually society. And, and do, uh, Dr. Cloud didn't use the word love. He used the word grace. Very similar words. In fact, truth plus grace plus time equals mature followers of Jesus. Very similar to truth plus love. Plus time equals mature followers of Jesus because both grace and love come from God. Now, the truth factor is something that's very important in a culture such as ours where truth isn't very often considered to be something important. But God's truth is real and it is absolute and it changes us, but only with the application of grace. And then finally, plus time. You see, I can know the truth, and you can know the truth, and we can actually receive the grace of God in an instant, and we do, and we can receive salvation, but we won't become like Jesus in an instant. It takes time. You might remember if you were here last week that I said this statement. Sometimes when people say I've been a follower of Jesus for 20 years, what they really mean is I've been a follower of Jesus one year 20 times. Instead of actually changing from the inside out, what happens is we, we get the transformation, the instantaneous um, new relationship with God through Jesus Christ, but we don't continue to pray. We don't continue to uh, read the scriptures. We don't continue to apply the truth that we learn, so we don't grow. We just stay the same. We continue to be spiritually immature, and that's not what we want to talk about in this series. In fact, what we're going to talk about is growing up. And as we grow up over time, it takes time. What happens as Jesus' followers is it heals us spiritually, but also emotionally. Spirituality and emotional, the spiritual and the emotional parts of us are tied together through our spirit and soul. And so we want to grow up both spiritually and emotionally. Now, there are some churches that focus on truth. And they don't focus much on grace or love. And if you have a church like that, what happens is whenever you don't grow emotionally, what people will say to you is, you must be in sin. You must not be reading your Bible. You must not be praying. And it is true that if we're in sin, if we're not reading our Bible and we're not praying, that we won't grow emotionally. We certainly won't grow spiritually, but we won't grow emotionally either. But it's so easy for us to look at somebody who's struggling and to judge them because as Dr. Cloud says, truth without grace brings judgment. And so let's go back to a biblical character. This character was a very good biblical character, but his friends judged him. And the character is Job. You might have heard about Job. Job was a good man, a righteous man. In fact, the most righteous man on the entire earth. But Satan decided that he, he wanted to show God that the only reason Job was so righteous is because God had blessed him. So he says, God, if you stop blessing him, he'll curse you. And so God permits Satan to take away Job's children, all, children, all of his children, all of his wealth. The only thing Job has left is his nagging wife. That's it. I'm, I'm just true. Okay, so, and three friends, and I mean, these friends, what do they come and do? They come and say, Job, you must be in sin, because if you weren't in sin, this wouldn't be happening to you. If you would just confess your sin, then God would restore you to your former greatness. That's judgment. That's judgmentalism, right? And that's what happens when you have truth without grace, and Job needed grace from his friends, but he didn't get it. And when we don't get the grace that we need, combined with the truth, always the truth, what happens is we fail to grow spiritually and we fail to grow emotionally. So God's plan is for us to grow. 
And as we saw on the bumper video, healthy people grow. Healthy people grow. Growing people change. Now, here's the cool part. Changed people change eternity for others. God didn't want us only to come into relationship with him. He wanted that. He didn't only want us to glorify him. He wants that. He didn't only want us to enjoy a relationship with him. He wants that. But he also wants us, as we grow and mature, to share that relationship and that maturity with others. Because God's plan is for us, as we grow up, to help others grow as well. And that's what we're going to be talking about during this series. So truth plus grace plus time equals mature followers of Jesus. So where does forgiveness come in? Well, we've already said this. Forgiveness is the application of God's grace in our lives. If God's grace is unmerited favor, and that's what it is, how we receive it as, is as forgiveness, forgiveness from Jesus. Let's go back to the cross once again. Remember I said there the devil was probably gloating as Jesus died and it was put into the tomb. But can you imagine how the devil's... <laughs> Countenance changed on that Easter morning when, when Jesus woke up. I mean, all that the devil knew was Jesus was dead. Jesus had taken the sins of the world upon himself, and he was dead. And, and that's all the, the devil cared about. But then all of a sudden, ta-da, Jesus is alive again. Now, I don't know if Jesus said, ta-da, but if I were Jesus, I would have. You know, I mean, ser- it's pretty serious stuff to come back from the dead, right? And, and I probably would have done it right in front of the devil. And I'm imagining the devil knew it right away. And everything changed from that instant. The devil's works were now powerless because Jesus had overcome sin on the cross. Now he had overcome death. And so human beings, humanity, could be restored through that. So let's turn to the Bible and see how the forgiveness that we receive from Jesus is supposed to be lived out toward other people. That's really the focus of this message. Um, Yes, we have to have the forgiveness of Jesus first in our lives, but once we've been forgiven, Jesus tells us we're supposed to forgive others. So we're going to turn to Luke chapter 17. Before we do that, let's take a quick look at the take-home point. For those of you who are new, the take-home point is the one point every message makes. We want to, it's called a take-home point because we want to take it home. We want to pray about it, think about it, but most importantly, live it out in the week ahead. And so here it is. Forgiveness destroys the devil's work and draws us close to God. I love that take-home point. The forgiveness destroys the devil's work and draws us close to God. So when Jesus rose from the dead... Um, that was the ultimate, you know, nail in the devil's coffin, if you will. But it was the nails that were driven into Jesus' hands and his forgiveness for that action that actually sealed the devil's fate. And, and so the devil wanted to destroy our relationship with God and continue to keep us broken and away from him. But instead, Jesus overcame it. So the devil's work is destroyed and we draw close to God. I think that deserves an amen, don't you? Yeah, okay, all right. So before we turn to the scripture, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for the forgiveness that breaks the work of the devil in our lives and gives us the opportunity to be free. God, we thank you that in that freedom, we have the opportunity to exercise forgiveness toward others. And that gives them the opportunity to be free as well and ultimately to experience your forgiveness through Jesus. God, we pray that your spirit would work in our lives today, that the truth that we read from your word will liberate us, free us, so that we can be uh, agents of freedom for others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So the scripture, as I said, Luke 17, we're going to turn there in chapter 17, verse 1, 
And, uh, and we're going to look at first, we're just going to look at the first two verses to start with. We're going to look a little farther than that, but it says this. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, there will always be temptations to sin, but what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting. It would be better to be thrown into the sea with a millstone hung around your neck than to cause one of these little ones to fall into sin. Wow. Jesus points out something here about sin that I think we might forget, and that is we can tempt each other to sin. We can. Not all temptation comes from the devil. I think almost every time we sin, we want to be able to turn to the devil and say, would you quit that? The devil made me do that. We need to get the devil out of our lives. But the the truth here is what our moms told us when we were little. Sometimes there are people you need to avoid because those people and those groups of people will lead you down the wrong path. And, you know, we hate to admit our moms are right, but uh, so many times they were. Um... And the, and the thing is, we live in a culture where virtually anything goes. People almost won't say anything is wrong. But the scripture is very clear about what is right and what is wrong, what is good and what is evil. And what Jesus said here is sometimes people will tempt us to sin. And Jesus said the consequence for people that do that. And, and actually, notice it's just not any people. Believers. It says believers will tempt each other to sin. So sometimes we who already know Jesus will tempt each other to sin. It isn't just those bad people that our moms told us to stay away from. It could be our friends. It could be the people that, you know, that we hang out with um, at church. But in any case, he, he got pretty tough on the guys that, and women that do that. It says, it would be better to be thrown into the sea with a millstone hung around your neck than to cause one of these little ones to fall into sin. I don't know about you, but I don't think, you know, being thrown into the sea with a millstone around my neck sounds like fun. And yet Jesus says it's going to be worse for us if we cause one of these little ones to sin. Now, you might be thinking, oh, so it's only if I cause a little, you know, a child to sin. No, Jesus, good news, calls all of us his little ones. So we're all his little ones. And if anybody causes one of us to sin, it's bad news. That's what Jesus says. So this is a hard truth. It's a very hard truth. It's the kind of truth that can lead to judgment. It can lead to judgmentalism. In fact, what Jesus says next is very important. He says, because he's going to apply some grace. He says, so watch yourselves. If another believer sins, rebuke that person. Then if there's a repentance, forgive. Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns again and asks forgiveness, you must forgive. Actually, this is where he talks about it being the believer who's sinning against us, right? Who's the problem. So what's, what's he saying here? He's saying that if somebody sins against us or causes us to sin, we need to forgive that person if the person repents. And now, um, what does it mean to forgive? Let's put it simply. Here's what it means. It means that I'm going to take the penalty for your sin. You sin against me, and I'm going to take the penalty. No, that doesn't sound fair, does it? Forgiveness is never fair. We need to understand forgiveness is never fair because when you sin against me and I say I'm going to take the penalty, that's not fair to me. But whenever I sin against you and you say I'm going to take the penalty, that's not fair for you either. And no wonder the devil hates the word forgiveness because, you know, the devil knows that when we sin, the penalty is death. But if I take the penalty for your sin and you take the penalty for my sin, then the penalty is canceled out and the devil loses. Our relationship is restored and the devil loses. Now, you might be thinking, wait a minute, Chris. You're you're talking like we're Jesus. No, we're not Jesus. We cannot forgive our own sin. 
And, and I can't forgive all of your sin. I can only forgive the sin that you've committed against me. But Jesus died on the cross to forgive all of our sin. Jesus' death on the cross paid the penalty for every sin that would ever be committed in the history of humanity from the time of Jesus and to our time on through until there's no more people, until Jesus returns. So I'm not talking that I can forgive the sin of humanity. What I'm saying is I can forgive when you sin against me and you can forgive when, you, uh, when I sin against you. And when we do that, it destroys the devil's work in our lives. That's what we need to understand. But here's the thing. We live in a culture that says this. I don't get mad. I get, everybody knows. I don't get mad. I get even. Yes, on, on Friday afternoon, I was driving back from Ohio. I went out to visit my brother Tom, and on the way home, I'm on Route 79 North. It's almost rush hour. Tra- traffic's backed up. There's this big tractor trailer driving in front of me in the not passenger, well, not the, in not the passing lane, okay? So I look in my mirror, and there's nothing. I mean, nothing in the passing lane. So I put on my turn signal. I get ready to pull out, and boom, phew, this little red car buzzes past me. I know they're going 90 miles an hour. Now, I'm not going to tell you what I thought in that moment, but it was not forgiveness, okay? In, in the very first moment, my, the get even thing was sort of, you know, I mean, I, like I was going after the guy, right? But I didn't. I didn't. Um, actually, I had my message sitting in my seat next to me, and I had been practicing it a little bit earlier. Uh, so I realized, what's the right thing to do? And I said, oh, I know. It says there, if he repents. And he didn't repent, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> uh, you know, always trying to find a loophole, don't you? Always try to find a loophole, you know? Okay, if he repents, repent means turn around. He didn't, uh, he didn't turn around. He's, I couldn't even see him. He's going so fast the same way, right? But what, what we're talking about here is repentance means that we change our mind, we change our heart, we, we, we stop walking with the devil, and we start walking with Jesus again. And in that instant, even though the guy didn't repent, I did. <laughs> I said, God, I'm sorry, you know, I need your forgiveness, and I forgive this guy. You know, I don't, I don't know what his, his issue is, but, you know, it's not worth it for me to be out of relationship with you. And that's what we're talking about. We live in a get-even culture, and, and, and Jesus told us, you know, to forgive. And again, is that fair? No, not at all fair. So how do we do that? You know, it's interesting. If you look at the next couple of verses, which we're going to do right now, Jesus had said, first of all, people are going to cause temptation to sin in our life. That's bad news. And then he says, you got to forgive. And then the, the apostles say this. Look, it says, the apostle said to the Lord, show us how to increase our faith. The Lord answered, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, may you be uprooted and thrown into the sea, and it would obey you. So Jesus just says, you have to forgive these people when they sin against you, even seven times a day. And the, and, the, and the disciples goes, man, we need some faith. Because how can we do that? How can we forgive somebody seven times a day if they keep coming back and sinning against us? We can't do it. We can't do it, Jesus. We need more faith. And it's interesting because they say, show us how. And Jesus doesn't show them how. Jesus actually simply says, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you know, tiny, tiny bit of faith. You could say to this mulberry bush, be cast in the sea and it would. So what's he saying? He's saying, if you want to forgive others, then you need to turn to me and you need to have this much faith in my forgiveness. You see, if we believe that Jesus died and took away all of our sins, 
If we believe that, because Jesus hadn't yet died on the cross when he made this statement, but he knew he would, and he has since, since he made that statement, and so he died and rose again, and so we know that. And so if we have faith in him, this much faith in him, we will be able to forgive someone when they sin against us. And that's what I had to do Friday afternoon. Yeah, it was a little thing, but sometimes it's the little things that seem to get under our skin the most, right? And so a tiny bit of faith in Jesus' forgiveness in our lives, in his Holy Spirit's power in our lives will give us the, the power that we need to forgive our brothers and sisters when they sin against us. So, this is an underlying bottom line statement that I want to make about Jesus' forgiveness and his grace and what it works in our life. And here it is. His grace is sufficient to wipe away our sin. It's already done that. And to allow us to forgive those who sin against us. And you might still be thinking, that's not fair. No, it isn't. It never will be. Forgiveness is not fair. It's grace. And grace isn't fair. It's a gift. We can't earn it. We can't deserve it. God just gives it to us. And we can't earn it. We can't deserve it. People just give it to us when we sin against them, and we can give it to each other. And as we do, the devil's work is destroyed. And that's part of our work as followers of Jesus Christ. If anything ought to, you know, if if there's one, one person that is already condemn the devil, there's nothing, that nothing can be done for him. And his only goal is to destroy our lives. And so our work in our daily lives is, is not to thumb our nose in his face, but to, to do the things to show the love of God and the forgiveness of God. And, and as we do that, it, it just destroys his work and, and takes other people out of bondage and into freedom, and, and including ourselves. And the greatest thing about me forgiving you it doesn't just free you, it frees me. And when you forgive me, it doesn't just free me, it frees you. That's the wonderful thing about forgiveness. So each of us has the opportunity every moment because there's gonna be a lot of those sins against us in our life, at home, at work, at school, wherever we are, even maybe here at church, I don't know. But wherever it is, we, we can respond and we're called to respond with forgiveness in the name of Jesus. So that's the commitment today, actually. The commitment says, I will forgive as Jesus has forgiven me. Wow, that is a challenging commitment. I will forgive as Jesus has forgiven me. He gave, forgave us completely. And so we're gonna do the same thing. And as we think about that, one of the things that I have learned many years ago, back it's actually 20 years ago, back in 1998, I learned a, a prayer called the Forgiveness Prayer from Pastor Mark Geppert. And I, I'm not a big fan of, of formulated prayers, but this is one that I have uh, continued to use over and over and over again when I'm really struggling to forgive somebody. Then it goes like this. It'll be up on the screen. It's actually in your uh, handout, so you can take it home with you today as well. It says, Father, I forgive every person, living or dead, who has ever used me, abused me, or hurt me in any way. I release them to you that you may bless them and draw them to yourself in Jesus' name. Amen. And and what I like about this prayer, there's a lot of things, but number one, it says any person living or dead because sometimes we're still holding on to hurt that somebody did to us and they're gone. They're they're not even around anymore. Um, The other thing is I, I like about it is you can use it personally. Like you could say, Father, I forgive Chris for the hurt that he has done to me and I release him to you. That's the key part. I release him to you. Because I can't, I can't do it. I need you. I, I can only let forgiveness happen whenever I release it to you. And, and then it says that you can bless him because I might have a hard time blessing him or her right now. Um, and, you know, and, and so as we do that, 
in each relationship, in each time, in each opportunity where somebody, you know, sins against us, we will grow to be more and more like Jesus. In the course of this series, as I said, we're gonna, that's what we're talking about, growing up and, and these changes that are going to take place in our lives. We're going to talk about four more of them that will cause us to grow up to be more like Jesus. It will heal us and, and it will change us and it will allow us to offer opportunities for change in other people's lives as well for eternity. That's the, that's the direction of this series. But, but it starts with being forgiven by Jesus Christ. And if you've never experienced that in your own life, if you've never said to Jesus, first of all, I admit that you're God. I admit that I have sinned against you and I've sinned against other people and, and I don't know what to do with that. I need to be forgiven. Today, you can do that. Say, God, Jesus, forgive me. And he will. Uh, he already has. And, and let him become savior, which means he saves you from those sins, saves you from the death we're gonna face, and then, uh, Lord, that's the challenging part. Lord means he gets to be the owner. His truth gets to be what we live out in our lives in the power of the Holy Spirit from this point forward. So if you do that right now, it changes the course of your eternity. It starts there. That's the underlying foundation, the, the salvation and the forgiveness that comes in Jesus Christ. And then in the weeks ahead, we're going to talk about these four more things um, that God will do in our lives as we apply his truth, his grace over time so that we can grow up and we can be spiritually and emotionally mature and we can help others know Jesus too. Uh, does that sound like something you want to do? Huh? I hope so. Okay. Four more weeks and, and you'll, you'll be ready. You'll, you'll have the plan and then it'll be lots of time because that last part of the formula is always there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your goodness and love. Thank you so much for your truth that anchors us in our lives. Thank you so much for your grace and forgiveness that frees us from the prison of sin and death. And God, we thank you today for your word and ask that you'll uh, uh, pour your Holy Spirit into us that we can apply it in a way uh, that we will forgive others this week and that we will forgive as we've been forgiven. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.